Live by every word. That is the challenge and the opportunity the Bible gives to you. This program examines the actual words that have proceeded out of the mouth of God Himself so we can use them to guide our paths and live by them in our everyday lives. This is Live by Every Word. Thanks for joining me today on Live by Every Word. I'm Dwight Falk. This is Trumpet Radio 101.3 KPCG. We're online at kpcg.fm and have a live link at thetrumpet.com as well. The kingdom of God is a family as well as a government. And the God family is currently composed of God the Father and God the Son, the glorified Jesus Christ. But that family is set to expand. God's saints on earth are spirit-begotten children of God. They will be born into God's kingdom as spirit beings, as God beings, at the return of Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible shows. Notice this passage in Daniel 7. We have a few passages to look at today, so if you have a Bible handy, please get it out. We could look at these scriptures together. Daniel 7 and verse 27 here, it talks about this coming kingdom of God. It says, In the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Notice then Revelation 20. We put a few of these pieces together, and it shows that God's kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and we see who is in it. Revelation 20 and verse 6. It says, Blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection. On such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. See, this shows that God's kingdom will be full of spirit beings, God beings, and these saints who have part in the first resurrection, they're going to reign with Christ a thousand years. Revelation 22 and verse 5 then goes on to show that God's resurrected saints will then rule under God the Father and Jesus Christ forever. So there's the thousand-year time period that the Bible talks about, that millennial time period where Jesus Christ rules on this earth, be a much different world than it is today, that begins at Christ's second coming. And his saints, then resurrected, then God-beings, will rule under him and help him rule this earth. And then that family, that government goes on into eternity. And all of mankind will have a chance to be born into that family. And that's what the Bible talks about. And yet, most people don't think much about that today. But that should be foremost on our mind. Christ talked about seeking the kingdom first. Well, it lasts forever. It's the important thing. And it's what we should be focusing on. Notice this quote from the Herbert W. Armstrong College Bible Correspondence Course, Lesson 24. We have a few quotes from this lesson today. That's a free course that you can sign up for at thetrumpet.com. And um, if you haven't done that, please do so. But it says, The kingdom of God with Christ as king, Revelation eleven fifteen and Revelation 19 and verse 16, will rule over all mortals on earth. 
Revelation 5 and verse 10. And the law by which Christ and the immortal saints will rule is the law that expresses the loving nature and character of God, the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are vitally important. It shows God's love. And if you think about those commandments and how you benefit when somebody else keeps those commandments towards you, well, it's a blessing for you. And then as you keep them, it's a blessing for others and yourself. See, it's God's law of love. That kingdom will rule. Christ as king and those resurrected saints under him, ruling and using those Ten Commandments. So, you know, just the passages we've read so far, Daniel seven twenty-seven, Revelation 20 and verse 6, and so on. Many people have read those passages over the years, but how real is this future to us? It has to be very real to us, but it's very easy to put that future far, far ahead and think, well, you know, that that's an interesting thing from way later, but I've got this daily routine I've got to go through and, and not really seek the kingdom first. But Christ tells us to seek that kingdom first. It needs to be the top priority in our minds. Christ warns us against an attitude that says, well, let's just put that way off in the future. Notice Matthew 24. Christ here is talking about some of the things that are going to happen right before his return. And he gives a warning in Matthew 24, verses 44 through 51. We'll look at those passages where he warns against putting other things first, putting the day-to-day routine first, or physical concerns first, and not thinking much about this coming kingdom of God. Matthew 24 and verse 44, it says, Therefore be you also ready, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man comes. Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his Lord has made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season? Blessed is that servant, whom his Lord, when he comes, shall find so doing. See, we need to be doing God's work today. Our focus needs to be on doing God's work. In verse 48, but if that evil servant shall say in his heart, and now he gets into this attitude that people can get into, he says, if that evil servant shall say in his heart, my Lord delays his coming. See, he doesn't say, well, he's not coming ever. He just says, well, he delays it. That, that's in the future. That's way down the road. If he has that attitude, verse 49, and shall begin then to smite his fellow servants, to eat and drink with the drunken, you know, just get into the cares of this life and not really pay attention to that law and obeying that law and doing God's work. It says, verse 50, the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looks not for him and in an hour that he is not aware of and shall cut him asunder and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites, and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You know, people at that time, if they don't um, have the needed growth to be in the kingdom of God, and there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. They're going to be very upset about it. But, again, none of that has to happen if we'll heed this warning here and, and not have that mindset of, my Lord delays his coming, you know. That'll, that'll be in the future. I'm going to worry about the things of today. And, and just that's where my focus is going to be. Well, there's this 
wonderful future of the kingdom of God that's in front of us. And we need to be focused on that. And if we say, well, I'll think about that later or I'll, you know, kind of investigate that more in the future, then we're going to find ourselves in a very bad situation, as Christ shows us here in Matthew 24, verses 44 through 51. So what we're doing right now is vitally important to our eternal future. What we do today, what we do tomorrow, it has everything to do with our eternal future. Notice this quote. Again, it's from Lesson 24 of the Herbert W. Armstrong College Bible Correspondence Course. It says, God has an exciting future beyond imagination in store for those who willingly follow his way of life, grow and overcome spiritually. And it's hard for us to even really understand how incredible the future will be. We do get insight when we read the Bible. And if we have God's spirit working in our mind, it opens our mind up to understand those things. But we're still having to work to, to begin to understand that. It's a, an incredible future that God has in store for us. But we have to willingly follow his way of life and grow and overcome spiritually today. See, what we do today is so important. And if a person has an attitude of saying, well, I'll worry about it later, or I'll think about it later, or my Lord delays his coming, then they're not going to be following his way of life, growing, overcoming, because they're going to have other concerns. The quote continues, not only will they inherit eternal life, those that really grow, not only will they inherit eternal life as a free gift of God, that's a free gift, of course, and become eternal members of the God family, they will also be rewarded not with temporary rewards of men, but with rewards of eternal responsibility. Every Christian's reward will be exciting and fulfilling for all eternity. You see, we are rewarded according to our works. What type of works are we performing? Are we doing God's work today? We'll be rewarded according to those works. Notice Matthew 16. Christ says, this exact thing, Matthew 16 and verse 27. It says, For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels. This is his second coming he's talking about. And notice, And then he shall reward every man according to his works. We're rewarded according to our works. You know, what reward does God have in store for us? It depends on what we're doing today depends on our works today. Notice this in James 2. James 2 talks about works and the need for good works. James 2 and verse 14, we'll read a little bit here, verses 14 through 26. Very important passage, though. It says, What does it profit, my brethren, though a man say he has faith and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be you warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, well, what does it profit? Even so, faith, if it has not works, is dead, being alone. You know, we can believe that Christ will return and believe that God will set up his kingdom and even believe that we have a part in that. 
But if we're not keeping God's law and we're not doing his work and we're not putting the kingdom first and just applying what Christ has told us, well, then that's a dead faith because it doesn't have any works associated with it. Notice James continues in verse 18, Yea, a man may say, You have faith, and I have works. He says, Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. There's a saying common, I guess, among people that talk is cheap, right? And it's kind of, that's what James is saying in a way. It's like, well, talk is cheap. I mean, you can say you believe that, but do you live in a way that proves it? Do you have works that are faith-filled works? Verse 19, he says, you believe that there is one God. You do well. That's good. The devils also believe and tremble. You know, if we believe in God, well, that's a good thing, but so does Satan. He believes in God. So do the demons. I mean, they know he's real, but that doesn't mean anything, does it? They don't have any faith-filled works, that's for sure. Verse 20, it says, But will you know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? See, it's possible to have a dead faith where we say we believe something, but we don't live according to that. Verse 21, he gets into some specifics, some Bible history here. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? You know, God put Abraham through quite a few tests of faith. And in order to pass that test of faith, Abraham had to do something based on faith. He had to offer Isaac, and then, of course, God stopped him. But he was on his way to do it. He was busy doing it. He didn't just say, well, I'll get around to it. He he went and was going to do it. Of course, quite a unique situation there and something God was doing specifically. But Abraham had faith, and he did that all throughout his life. He, you know, would you know, get up and leave his land and his homeland and follow God. And so he had a lot of works because he believed God. Verse 22, see you how faith wrought with his works. They worked together and by works was faith made perfect. Verse 23 in the scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. He believed God. And how do we know he believed God? Because he said it? Because Abraham said he did? It's because of what Abraham did. It was the works, faith-filled works. Verse 24, you see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Verse 25, likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way? You can look at that history, of course, in the Old Testament. You know, she was living a pretty vile life, obviously, but then at some point she had works based upon faith. Verse 26, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. You know, we don't want to just be a dead body that doesn't do anything, right? If a body is dead, what does it do? Nothing. It lays there. <laughs> it is does nothing of value. So you can see, like verse 24 says, that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. We need to have faith in works, faith-filled works. We're going to be rewarded according to those works, what we do. And, of course, they have to be based on faith. So we need both. Both components are essential 
but God promises that he'll reward us according to our works. Christ returns, he'll, he'll bring a reward with him. And so all these that are mentioned here in James 2, they did good works, Abraham, Rahab. Of course, you can look at Hebrews 11, the faith chapter, and see all the works that people did because they believed God. They had works according to their faith. They believed God and they did what he said. They didn't say, oh, my Lord delays his coming and just go off and do their own thing. They believed God. They believed that Christ was going to return. They believed in that vision of new Jerusalem that God promises. And so their, their works were according to that faith. And they'll be rewarded. They'll be rewarded because of their faith-filled works. So we need to believe the promise of God's coming kingdom. The Bible is full of promises, and the promise of his coming kingdom is such a vital promise and one we all look forward to. But if we really believe that as we should, then we'll be doing God's work today. We'll have faith-filled works. We'll be supporting his work in preparation for the kingdom of God. If you'd like to learn more about God's coming kingdom and the faith and the works that are essential and the growth that is essential for us to be preparing for that, you can get this lesson, Lesson 24 of the Herbert W. Armstrong College Bible Correspondence Course. It's free, and the whole course is free, and you can sign up for that at thetrumpet.com. That's all the time we have for today on this edition of Live by Every Word. Thanks for joining me. I'm Dwight Falk. Until next time, let's all strive to more perfectly live by every word of God. You've been listening to Live by Every Word on Trumpet Radio 101.3 KPCG and online at kpcg.fm and thetrumpet.com.